We're excited to have you. Welcome to The Hidden Patient. I'm Jean Ross, a nurse and caregiver advocate. And I'm Kara Wagner, a once and always caregiver. I run a small business that coordinates care for seniors in my community. On May 10th, 2018, I got a form submission through my website. I'm friends with Jim, who was so kind to refer me to you. I'm currently the primary caregiver for my father, who had a trach and will be starting chemo with radiation for squamous cell carcinoma in his throat. As a marketer and PR pro, I have very little medical training, <clears throat> none. So my at-home care has been completely agile based on his needs and responsiveness. I'm an only child who's carrying this burden alone with help from my husband. That being said, I'd love to learn more about the services you offer as it'll be a long few months ahead and there's no such thing as too much help. I followed up with Kara and we agreed to meet for coffee on May 14th, 2018. As our relationship grew closer, Kara later told me what her morning was like the day we met. All right, it's 6.30 a.m. I've got, I've got Dad settled in the living room. He's had his breakfast, he's showered, and his trach's clean. Okay, wonder if he can use the Roku today. Oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't go to, for a walk again and bug that neighbor. Oh, okay, Nico got his walk. Andrew's off to work. Um, okay, okay, I'm dressed. I'll do my makeup in the car on my way to meet that jean lady at, at that coffee shop. What time was that? Seven? Shoot, I gotta go. Dad? Dad? I'm heading out. You good? Be home around 5.30. Call you at lunch. When I met Kara, we were in a trendy downtown Indianapolis coffee shop. She was dressed for a day at work with her hair pulled into a high bun. Peeking out of her camel-colored bag with vibrant tassels were color-coded folders that detailed the categories of her dad's care. She greeted me with dark circles under her eyes, and as I shook her hand, I immediately questioned if I would be the right person to help. When Jean walked up, I thought, she is not what I expected. But what does a caregiver coordinator even look like? Is she smiling. Oh my gosh, she is so energetic. Karen and I met at the start of two different journeys. I was starting a business using my nurse ninja skills to coordinate care for aging adults. And Kara just learned her 65-year-old dad was diagnosed with throat cancer. For over a year, Kara and I evolved these roles as a daughter caregiver and nurse care coordinator. We were charged with taking care of one tough, stubborn man. And while a version of this story is going on 39.8 million times in the United States, Kara believes others can benefit from her experiences and confidently walk into caregiving roles. My grandpa had recently passed away and I found out that my dad was going to a doctor's appointment because we were having a sale at my grandpa's 
estate. They were essentially um, getting rid of all of his stuff. My dad was there. The whole family got together. And one of my aunts said to me, hey, do you know that your dad has this doctor's appointment coming up? He's having surgery. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's having surgery. He's fine. No, no, his surgery's on Tuesday. This was on like a Saturday. And I'm thinking, how is he having surgery? I don't know about it. And it's soon. Do you know what the surgery was about? Uh, he said that he had gone to a fish fry and that he had had some fish and he had a bone in his throat. He oh. was convinced that he that was what was wrong. So they, he was just going to go in for this quick little surgery. The doctor was going to take the fish bone out and he was going to be finer than a frog hair, quote. <laughs> <laughs> and so did your dad let you go to that medical appointment? I called him and I said, hey, do you... Do you have this appointment? Yeah, yeah, I have this appointment. And I said, okay, well, I'm coming. And he was very much dismissive, like, oh, you don't need to come. It's not a big deal. Like, you're going to have to drive up here. You don't have time for that. And I said, no, this is a big deal. I'm making time. I'm an only child. Like, why? what are you hiding from me? You know, if I'm not asking the questions and, and you're not telling me answers, like, I've got to go and just figure out what's going on. Absolutely. is an only child of two divorced parents. She lived two hours away from her dad. Given the distance, plus her dad never being one to worry about his health or really ever go to the doctor, she had to sort of fight to be present at this mystery surgery. Lucky she caught wind of her dad's news from another family member and was able to be present. On the morning of the surgery, Kara begins to think about what this could mean for her dad. So we are on our way to the surgery and I kind of had this like fearful moment where I realized I'm this adult child driving my parent to this early morning surgery and what if this is like serious and I just didn't feel like a fishbone was the culprit but on the way there I really I was having this realization like maybe this is going to be life-changing like this might be the last normal drive that I have with him. When Karen and her dad arrive at the hospital, she's welcomed back to the pre-op area while the nurses prepare him for surgery. She can hear her dad talking beyond the partition curtain and she starts to feel slightly annoyed. The way my dad has always dealt with really uncomfortable situations is sarcasm. And I later look back and realize that was his way of like trying to lighten the mood because I think he could sense the severity of what was happening and he was just trying to shake it. They wheel Kara's dad back and she gets settled enough to open her laptop and begin working. Suddenly, the nurses are wheeling her dad back from surgery. Kara instantly senses something is off. A quick glance at her dad and she can tell he's upset. As the surgeon passes the room, he calls that he'll be right back. And Kara is realizing her worst fear is coming true. This isn't your first drop. No, this is, it looks like cancer. It looks, it looks and it's, I told her it's grown more in two weeks. A lot, a lot bigger. Uh, in two weeks, I could see your vocal cords very easily. Now it's very hard to see. In that moment, the doctor shared words that we all hope to never hear. Yet beyond the C word, there's more. Kara's dad will soon struggle to eat and even breathe as his throat continues to grow closed. Kara describes their reactions. Dad, I think, was a little um, confused. He heard the word 
potentially cancer. And I think it kind of stunned him a little bit. The sarcasm died pretty quick. Mm. I am very much a realist. And I'm also very type A, probably because I'm an only child. So I'm hearing this news and I'm like, okay, okay, the man might have cancer. He might not, but like, step one, what are we going to do? Like, I'm not going to just let this wash over me and be emotional about it. My response when I get bad news like that is always like, how can I fix it? I'm going to figure out the next step. I'm going to get a referral. I'm going to move this forward. You but know, I'm hearing you say, you, yeah, you, I, yeah. So, like, at what point did you realize your dad needed you to be involved in his care? I mean, like, I was think it at that moment because you're saying, I, I. There's this moment where you hear your parent's life is in danger. And I imagine it like being a parent yourself. I mean, I don't have children, but it's like, well, that, well we've got to fix this. You know, they're, they're not going to die. I'm not going to let that happen on my watch. You know, so what are we going to do to fix this? One major um, conversation I did not have with him until much later was, do you want to do this? Interesting. Because you went right into fixing that, yeah, right? Yeah, I do. And I do that, you know, habitually. So here I am trying to fix a situation that maybe he doesn't want fixed. Maybe he's okay with this news, you know. And, and so it wasn't until later that we got to that conversation. Kara's dad would go on to have a tracheostomy placed in his throat, along with a biopsy of this mysterious growing mass. The tracheostomy, a surgically inserted tube in his throat, would provide a route to be able to breathe if that mass should close off his ability to get air from his nose and mouth. The biopsy would come back to reveal that, yes, Kara's dad has squamous cell carcinoma in his throat. Kara would end up moving her dad's cancer treatment closer to her home and work so she can cut back on the 45-minute one-way trips she was taking to his current appointments. And Kara's dad would move in to her home with her, her dog Nico, and her husband Andrew. I asked Kara, how did she describe her life to other people? Because at 28 years old, I imagine not too many people around her understood the depth of being a family caregiver. When you're explaining to other people that you're, you know, your dad is living with you and that you don't have any help from people in your family. And the occasional friend is like making you a meal because they know like, oh, she's got a lot going on, quotes, right? Like mm -hmm. a lot going on. You don't really know what to call yourself. It wasn't until much later that I finally dubbed myself a caregiver. Do you feel like the word caregiver really sums it for people? Because that is the hardest part. People yeah. people often don't identify with that role. They're like, well, I'm the daughter, but I just do all these things. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, always, I always ask people like, is there another word to describe everything that you do? The first time I heard the word caregiver, I was like, yes. Yep. Yes. That kind of encompasses everything that I'm doing. I mean, we could put everything in one bucket and just call it that. I think why that finally clicked for me was because of the medical side. I mean, it's different than hosting your parents for a long weekend, right? Like, because you still are those things. And in some way, you're like, you know, you're chauffeuring them around and you're taking care of them. But it's not the same as like medically taking care of them. Like their well-being is in your hands. Um, and so, yeah, the first time I heard the word, it really resonated with me. And I labeled myself as that. I had no idea what I was walking into. I had no idea the responsibility I had truly taken on.
And Kara was an amazing caregiver to watch. With her dad in shock and at a loss of what to do next for himself, Kara's coping skills of fixing things quickly put the coordination of care into her hands. In working with her first medical office, she quickly realizes how people are perceiving her. Upon checking out, the front office employee shares with Kara she has been told to not mess with Kara because, well, Kara has her stuff together. She knows what she is doing and has her dad's care all under control. I am very much a perfectionist, so it's like, yeah, killed it. (laughs) To the same, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a reputation and we only have had one appointment. But it was kind of empowering to be like, wow, okay, like, I figured this out. I hacked it. They're impressed. They're listening. I'm going to get it done. Like, I'm confident that we're not going to struggle in this office. But were you really confident, though? Like, was it almost surprising to hear that? It was very surprising because I didn't feel like I was doing a good job of faking it. I just, I, become when I become very strained, I become um, very efficient and very direct. Mm -hmm. And I think I had just clearly been pretty pretty direct and efficient in that office I couldn't really be human I was being a robot and I was just like being super curt super to the point and I I created this stigma in their office that I was just not to be messed with but front office staff are just the first hurdle most caregivers face and while most folks working in healthcare go into their job to help people I'm always surprised when families feel such stress from interacting with the healthcare world. Why? Why are caregivers so stressed? My goodness. Um, Caregiving is hard for a million reasons. The first is if you don't have a medical background, you question literally every decision you make that has to do with the patient. I mean, if I make the next appointment, is it necessary? If I have the patient in my home and they're choking, do I do the Heimlich with a trach? Do I not? you want to get a surgery, you know, in a week. Well, when your throat is closing from a mass, you don't maybe have a week. Like you could suffocate. So, um, so yeah, whether you're doing trait care at home and you don't have a medical background, you're questioning, you're even wondering like, can I give this patient Advil while their trach is healing? So some stress comes from being suddenly thrown into the foreign world of healthcare without any extensive experience. Kara's career was in PR and marketing for a startup tech firm. However, her skill set did make her pretty adaptable and able to quickly immerse herself in the lingo. At medical appointments together with her dad, we always high-fived when someone would ask her if she worked in healthcare because that was success to Kara faking it until she could make it. But Kara would learn is that making it in the caregiving world was so much more than knowing the lingo. I definitely became aware of how much my dad's life was still ongoing. Like he had an entire farm. Right. And he had, I mean, he literally just stepped out of his life and I felt responsible for making sure that he could just walk back into it when he got better, you know, making sure his bills were paid, making sure like things were up to date at his home. It was being looked after, you know, he's two hours away. That was a huge burden. I mean, you can't just run over and mow the yard. Like you have to logistically handle that from two hours away. And, um, 
Beyond that, you're maintaining your own life. This is so sudden that the burden you feel in your marriage and to your pet and to your friends and to your job, I mean, everything becomes magnified. You haven't made room for this and all of a sudden it is your number one priority because they're reliant on you. You know, I mean, my dad, to a degree, was very hands-off and was just letting me drive the ship and didn't really... Not that he didn't have a say, he just trusted me to handle it. He felt so sick, he felt so bad, even though he would never tell me, even though he was so strong about it. And I know that he just handed me the reins and trusted that I was gonna take care of it. As a nurse, I wanted to understand so badly what can I do to help? What is the number one stress of caregivers? And what can we do to tackle it? And what is number two? And so on. Because the number of daughters and sons and family members with stories similar to Kara is only increasing as our fabulous baby boom generation ages each passing year. I think the frustration really lies in, you know, do I really need to sign a HIPAA release form at every single doctor's office? Do I really need to show you my power of attorney, even if I'm in the same hospital and cross the hall to it to see a different doctor. I literally have to show these documents constantly and and I have to to reconvey all the time that I am capable of making decisions for this person, even though they still are of a sound mind and that they've given me permission to do so. I think I don't think that healthcare wants to hinder me from doing my job. I also don't think that that they're really working together and creating an environment where a caregiver can be, you know, worried about other things instead of whether or not there's a HIPAA form on file so that they can call the doctor's office and get an update on a test result. And so, you know, it's it's a tricky situation where like you want to believe that that the healthcare system is looking out for you and wants to help you succeed and reach those wellness goals. To the same, you feel so frustrated that you are reliving Groundhog Day every day and going through the exact same conversations in every doctor's office. And if you miss one, it could really impede patient care. Wow. So these siloed doctor's offices, hospitals, rehabs, and surgery centers, with their focus on patient privacy, patient satisfaction, and being efficient with growing technologies, haven't thought about truly collaborating together. And at those intersections, when things go wrong, or when things require additional steps, that work is pushed onto the patient or family member. And when it is the family member, we actually question their help and make them jump through extra hoops to help their loved one. On top of this questioning from health professionals, caregivers are often given unsolicited advice on what they should do to manage their stress from their own spouses and family members. For Kara, her husband with the best of intentions told Kara just to leave it alone for one day. Hearing this, I asked Kara why why care so much? Yeah, well, that's a great question. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I'll blame it on being a child. You know, you feel a sense of obligation to your parents. Like, well, they raised me. They loved me unconditionally enough to make sure I was alive, right? And so I guess even though they're almost reverting to childhood, it's kind of my duty. I feel responsible. I'm the only person here to go ahead and take care of them. And some days, you know, your husband's asking you to just like leave it alone for a day and just 
be normal, whatever normal is, and you literally can't even go to dinner and not have your phone up, you know, watching it, checking in with the neighbor to see if your dad's wandered off. Like, you know, it, it's every day there's a different burden and, and to generalize it and to say the most stressful thing is just, it's unrealistic. It's like always being on call. Even with all this stuff being thrown at caregivers, there are still the emotions that are brewing underneath. The emotions of dealing with bad news for your parent, the possible end to their life, that role reversal of no longer being the daughter to the dad, and just taking on managing the life of another human's well-being. I quickly learned my mom was not a good resource for my emotions because my parents were divorced. Even though it had been my entire life they were divorced, she would become very angry with some of the poor decisions my dad had made and the situation he put me in. And me venting about my current issue just stirred up a lot of other anger then I, I got off the phone and I felt more angry or more frustrated or more sad than when I called. And it wasn't her intent at all. I just realized very quickly, like, this is not going to be a good outlet for me to get rid of my frustration, even to vent. Venting to my husband was, was similar in that, you know, he couldn't relate to anything I was going through. He just became frustrated because all I did was be upset either with the system or healthcare or my dad or my dad's decisions or someone in my dad's life I was dealing with on, on his behalf. And so I knew I needed to just talk to a neutral party who was completely uninvolved in the situation and who I could vent to, truly vent, be a little bit reflective with, and then also say like, am I doing this okay? Like, I know I'm not going to do it perfect. And for a perfectionist, it's really hard to admit. But I knew I had to just survive. And so it's like, who can I talk to where I can just get this off my chest? I can be human for a while. I can put the guard down. I don't have to, you know, be strong. I don't have to be all these things to everybody else. Kara's husband worked for a large organization that actually offered five free counseling sessions. Those sessions turned into weekly visits Kara used to have this emotional support she needed to be her dad's caregiver. Those sessions were a lifeline for Kara. Part of the reason of the growing distance between Kara and her dad was his struggle to recognize an alcohol problem. And here he has throat cancer and liver issues, and there were a lot of emotions for Kara to process. This past history would continue to overshadow Kara's journey, starting with the very beginning. The night before her dad's surgery, he drank around 12 to 14 beers. She knew the hospital only intended to keep him for a couple of nights, so she raised concern about the possibility of alcohol withdrawal. She was reassured her dad would be fine. Well, it wasn't at the hospital. They sent us home too early. I wasn't ready. He wasn't ready simply because of what unfolded. I mean, I got him home and he went through alcohol withdrawal and I truly thought he was dying. I mean, he had a new trach. I didn't know if he was having an infection or reaction. I didn't know. I mean, he was a mess. And I remember that first night I called their emergency line and I'm like, I'm terrified. Did I make the wrong choice? Maybe I should have been firmer and not let him get checked out of the hospital. It's literally been 12 hours and it's happening. Like maybe I should have just left him. 
And I felt so betrayed. I felt like the doctor who signed off on the release and more or less like pushed us out the door was irresponsible. I felt like the nursing staff that I was calling on this emergency line hadn't, I mean, I spent 15 minutes giving a backstory and I felt like we were wasting precious time. I just felt so betrayed and so alone and naive. I felt stupid. And I became very angry at the healthcare system for that. I generalized my anger. I was like, well, no one is looking out for me. They're going to tell me whatever they want. I'm the one who has to be aware of the situation and proactive about my intuition. I can't ignore and shrug this stuff off. And I hated later how angry I was and how I treated that staff, you know, for a couple of weeks. But at the time, I couldn't help it. I only had this much information. I had endured something really traumatic. I mean, holding your dad while he's gasping for air, while cussing at you and throwing things in the, you know, like you're, you have no compass at that time. And, um, you know, that was the most disappointing moment. I have since had more disappointing moments or different disappointing moments, but none that have really shaken me that much and made me realize like you're very much on your own and you've got to advocate and you've got to be aware and you've got to handle things as you see fit. Kara's words shook me as a nurse. In healthcare, we tend to talk about those family members, but do we ever really stop to think how did those family members become that way? Because you do have doubts. I mean, every moment you're like analyzing and assessing people to see if they're betraying you and you can't really look at it like that but you feel so invested in this journey that you you take everything so personally mm -hmm. even when it isn't intended to be that way the average age of a caregiver in the united states is 49.2 on that chilly morning that kara drove her dad to his first attempted surgery she was only 28 years old it's really weird because, you know, your parents are older than you. They should go through things before you. They should show you how it's done so you can learn and then be wiser, right? Your mom's telling you, um, you know, not to party in high school because your mom's partied in high school. It's a bad idea. So whatever. <laughs> um, but the, the caveat here is my parents had not been caregivers. So I'm caregiving for my dad and I have no one to go to for advice. Partway through our journey, Kara approached me about another growing responsibility she was feeling on her shoulders. What I lived could have been completely prevented and avoided or enhanced if I had resources from the beginning. Not like people telling you, oh yeah, well, I had a great experience with this, you should check them out, and then it being a dead end or they're no longer in business or whatever. If I could have just picked up a book that was like caregiving for dummies and it said like, <laughs> step one, <laughs> procure patient, <laughs> step two, you know, like not to be that simplistic, but I didn't even know where to begin. Okay, what, how do you schedule a doctor's appointment? Do you, okay, it sounds really simple, but like, do you need to ask additional questions when you schedule that appointment? Should you ask if there's an appointment to be scheduled before that? Do you need to obtain legal paperwork? You know, like these things that you don't know until you're in it and then you're wasting time. You're burning energy. You're spinning your wheels. You're mentally distressing yourself unnecessarily. I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. I mean, it, there should be an easy button. 
since this experience has happened, my mom actually became a caregiver. And I gave my mom more or less the cliff notes. Okay, mom, you know, she'd call me completely upset. Okay, mom, listen, get your head on. You okay? Okay, here's what you're going to do. Step one, do you have a notepad? Okay, write this down. And I walked her through it. And even though she will still tell you it was like a really trying awful time, she admits like they were able to just begin because I was telling them what to do. And I thought, oh my gosh, everyone needs this. Everyone needs to be able to just begin. Spring of 2019, nearly a year after Karen and I met, we are having coffee in my kitchen. After we catch up, she tells me that she has this idea of starting a podcast. She says, Jean, I was in the car so much. Caregivers need a resource to meet them where they are. I told her I was only in if we could make this fun. I hoped Karen and I could be a part of that car ride with caregivers across all of America and connect through this role we are all facing or soon will be facing or eventually needing someone on our behalf to face. You know, the point of this is really just give you some grace so you can be a little emotional and acknowledge like some of the things that are happening and also feel like, okay, someone's been there. They know what they're talking about. There's a quicker way to get to where I'm going without having to figure it out, learn it all and get up to speed. And while Kara did not have a handy podcast or examples of people around her showing her what caregiving looked like, she did catch an occasional article or hear of sprinkled support groups. She found a lot of comfort in Maya Angelou's poem, Still I Rise, and wore a bracelet with those words to remind her what things were tough with her dad. Along Kara's caregiving journey, she would have these random moments that gave her strength. Her most memorable came while attempting a grocery run with her dad. The girl checking us out at the checkout starts swiping our items and I notice all these tattoos over her arms and I'm, you know, trying to look at them between swipes because I'm fascinated and on her entire left forearm in huge writing is the mantra, still I rise. And as soon as I saw it, I almost just, I felt like God was just giving me the hug that I needed. Like this stranger had no idea of my journey. <laughs> and here I am like reading her arm as the as I'm reading my bracelet, thinking like I'm at the right place at the right time. This is all going to work out. Like this is exactly where I need to be. And it sucks. Like this sucks. But it was affirmation like you're here. You're going to get through it. You're going to do it. And even though there's not someone to give you this like big fat hug and to like stroke your hair and tell you that you're a strong woman, you're getting that. You're reading that. You're affirming it to yourself and you're going to be okay. No, it's neat to see the tears come back. <laughs> um, but here's on, on the ending on a happy note. So this is, let's say two years from now and, and this podcast has played a bunch to mm -hmm. people. And a daughter comes up to the street to thank you. Like, or what, what is it that you realize that you, the job is done, I guess, with this podcast? Like, what, what do you hope from it? At first, I thought creating the podcast would be like putting the lid on everything and saying like, I did it. I survived it. It's out there. People know now. And it, it's done. Like, my part is done. 
well, once it's all recorded, it'll really be over. The reality is like, it'll never really be over. I think as long as I know that people can begin and they don't have to wait around through all the other stuff to figure it out, they can begin with a resource like this, be it this podcast, be it a book or wherever they find inspiration or a person like me who's coaching them or whatever it is. I think that will truly make me feel feel like this was worth it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it'd be cool to have like, like the part of you where people, I mean, we're a podcast. People don't probably care what we look like. But if somebody walks up to us, like I'm in a hotel and, and someone sees me and they're like, are you from that podcast? It would be really cool for them to just say like, I'm on a journey and I want to thank you because you're making it easier. You're making it better. I can't imagine what it'd be like without this. Even if it was an email or a text or like just that acknowledgement, I think would just bring me joy and to know like someone else got more time with their aging parent or their loved one because they spent less time dealing with the other stuff Mm -hmm. or being stressed or worried or emotional. And that is going to make it worth it. That's incredible. Thank you, Kara, for sharing your story. The Hidden Patient is an on-the-go listening resource to help caregivers be more agile in problem-solving, making educated decisions, and feeling seen. We hope you'll join us as we cover caregiving topics. Become part of our caregiving conversation by searching our handle, Hidden Patient, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.